Bibles tonight and go to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, I uh, believe in the coming week here, not, not uh, too many weeks probably, but over the course of the next several Sunday nights, uh, there's a subject that I'd like to deal with in Scripture, and I want to just tonight kind of introduce the subject to you. This is not going to be kind of a typical first message in a series, but I think this is one of those subjects that uh, maybe gets overlooked and is misunderstood a lot of times, and because of that, I just want to uh, but uh, you've got to kind of put the pieces together a little bit, and so I want to encourage you as we uh, go through this tonight and in the coming weeks to even just engage your mind a little bit uh, in, in regard to other scriptures that maybe would come to your mind and, and uh, apply to this subject. And so we're going to uh, read tonight in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 in just a moment. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I forgot to grab my microphone earlier. I appreciate you guys being on top of that. Uh, before we read our text tonight, though, I want to lay out for you what I believe to be kind of a framework. Uh, maybe we would call it a worldview uh, that we tend to have, people tend to have. Uh, I think there are a couple different ways of looking at things, but in particular, I'm going to just kind of compare and contrast the average person in the world and the way that they view, view life. And then what I believe to be the average Christian and the way that we tend to view life, all right? So, first of all, would be the way that most people in the world think of life and, and everything in life. Everything in life, according to this way of thinking, could be categorized in basically three different categories. The first of those categories would be that which is good, and you wouldn't be surprised to learn that one of the other categories would be that which is evil or bad. And most people are going to have some similar items in those two columns. For instance, that which is good, they're going to think of things like love. Love is a good thing, right? Loving your spouse, loving your children, loving your neighbor. That's a, that's a good thing. Most people would say that that is a positive thing. A lot of people, at least in our nation and, and, and in history, would say that faith uh, is a good thing, or religion, or good, good deeds, good works. In the evil column, or the bad column, we would put things like crimes, uh, crimes against other people, uh, uh, murder. We would say most people would believe that is an evil, or harming someone else, or taking things that don't belong to you. Most people would consider those things to be bad. And then within this realm... Different people are going to put some other things in the good column and some in the bad column. But honestly, most things in life don't necessarily, in this way of thinking, fit within good or bad. But there is, a, in between those two, a neutral column. Things that don't really matter one way or the other. They are not good or bad. But maybe some, someone would use the, the phrase or the term theologically, we might call it, Amoral. There's nothing necessarily intrinsically good or bad about these things. And most people kind of 
view life in that way. Maybe they don't understand or, or haven't considered that that's the way they view life, but they do. For instance, those tables that are sitting in the back would fit in that neutral column, right? They're not necessarily good or bad. They can serve different purposes, but it's just the table. Uh, and a lot of people would put a lot of different things in that neutral category. Now, what happens is a lot of times someone will get saved... And their way of thinking changes. It's not necessarily just good, bad, and somewhere in between doesn't really matter, amoral. But we tend to look at life through this lens. There is that which is spiritual. And then that, there is that which is earthly. And that which is spiritual would be things that would help us to grow in our relationship with God. We could maybe say it this way, things that God cares about. And we would probably put in that category, you know, things like Bible reading and prayer and church attendance and service and all of those types of things. And we view that as our spiritual life. And then there are all these other things that are just normal, everyday life. They're just things of this world. They're a means to an end. Could be good, could be bad, but they are just things. For instance, the food that you ate at lunch today. Uh, hopefully you are thankful for it, but at the end of the day, it's not necessarily good or bad, right? It's just something of this earth. And we tend to look at things in that way, that which is spiritual and that which is earthly. Now, as a person grows in Christ, what, one of the things that you might see happening is that some of the things that we consider to be earthly start to make their way into the spiritual column. You ever notice that? Someone gets saved, and immediately they know, well, these things are sinful, I ought not to do those things, these things please the Lord, I need to do those things. But as time goes on and you grow, all of a sudden things start to matter that didn't used to matter, spiritually speaking. Let me give you an example of this. Music. There was a time in my life, as a saved individual, that I really didn't believe that music mattered I knew that there was good music, there was spiritual music, but I also listened to a lot of the world's music, and I found that, personally, I didn't think it really had any effect on me. But as I started to grow in Christ, you know what happened, don't you? Some of that started to change, and I realized that the music I listened to matters. And it does have an influence on me spiritually. Something else that changed. Clothing. The clothing that I wear is not just earthly, but it does, first of all, reflect what's going on in my spiritual life, but also has somewhat of an influence on that. Whether I dress to try, try, try to draw attention to myself, or whether I dress to try to please the Lord. You know what happens, of course, as we grow in Christ, more things make their way into that spiritual category, don't they? But can I propose to you this evening that those two ways of looking at life are not, neither of them is entirely consistent with the scriptures. We're in 1 Thessalonians 5. I'll let you remain seated tonight because we're just going to read one verse. In verse 23, I want you to notice what the Bible says here. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God... Your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the Bible telling us here? 
what is Paul trying to say to these Thessalonian believers? He is saying to them, my desire for you, and we could say, because this is inspired scripture, that God's desire for his people is that we would be wholly sanctified in spirit and soul and body. What does that encompass? Every area of life. Did you know that if you are a child of God, there is no more a dichotomy between your spiritual life and your fleshly life. You belong to God, and God wants all of you. And everything in your life matters to God. Everything. Now, here's a trap that we tend to fall into because we are New Testament Christians. We know that we are free from the Old Testament law. We are no longer judged by the law. We're no longer in bondage to the law. So I don't go back to the book of Leviticus and try and figure out exactly what God wants me to do today in the food that I eat, in the way that I wash my hands and my clothing, in the way that I live life. I don't live by Leviticus, right? I don't think any of us do. If anyone here is wearing clothing that has more than one uh, uh, type of material in it, you're violating the Old Testament law. We, we don't live by that. But here's what happens then. In our minds, a lot of times we divorce ourselves from that and we have convinced ourselves to believe that because those ordinances that affected everyday life no longer apply to us directly, that somehow God does not care about the clothes I wear and the food that I eat and all these things that I do. But that's not a New Testament understanding of grace, is it? The New Testament understanding of grace is this. Christ fulfilled the law on our behalf. We are no longer under the curse of sin. We're no longer under the curse of the law, but we are now free to live according to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And what does the Holy Spirit lead us in? Everything. And that's why we're commanded. Our theme for the year has been abide. Abide in Christ. We've been commanded to walk in the Spirit. And if we will walk in the Spirit, we're told that we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In other words, we are to yield to God in every area of life and allow God by His Spirit to lead us into all truth. And this applies not only in the things that we would consider spiritual, but even in the things that maybe we think have little meaning. This statement, the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That statement gives us the understanding that God cares not just about that which we would consider spiritual. But when he talks about the soul, that's what, I think, without getting too deep into that subject tonight, that would have to do with the, the center of our emotions, our desires, our thought life, our will. And then he even says, body. Could it be that as a saved Born again, child of God, free from the law, that God cares about how you treat your body? The things that you feed it, 
the way that you exercise it, the way that you adorn it, the way that you think about it, the way that you present yourself to other people, would God care about those things? Well, let's just take a look at some other scriptures tonight. Go back with me, if you would, to the book of Romans this evening. Romans chapter number 4. Well, let's go to Romans 6. Let's go to Romans 6. And as we look at Romans 6, this is dealing with the subject of us being free from sin. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 11. Notice what it says here. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your, what are those next two words? Mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Someone says, well, God doesn't look on the outside. He only looks at the heart. Only what's in the heart matters to God. That's not true. Yes, God judges us by our heart, but what's in our heart will affect our actions. And God said, right here in this passage of Scripture, that our members, that means our body, our physical body, is to be yielded unto Him as instruments of righteousness unto God. What am I saying? I'm saying that I believe according to the Scriptures, God wants all of us. He doesn't just want our spiritual life to be pleasing to Him. But God is concerned with every aspect of your life and my life. Spirit and soul and body. I find it interesting, and again, I don't want to get too deep into this tonight. But what tends to happen is we've got this separation between uh, saved people... People with, that, that believe the Bible and, and the world. The world wants to look at everything through the lens of the physical life, right? And what, what we can see. So what happens is if, somebody, if someone has a problem and they go to the doctor, first thing the doctor does is looks at the body, right? If it's a medical doctor, if they're having a mental problem, they might look at, you know, again, something physical, the check, you know, check, check their chemicals and make sure everything's balanced and... Or they might send them to a psychiatrist. Okay, if we can't find something physical, then there must be something mental. Actually, I believe that would maybe fall under the category of what the Bible would call the soul. That which is emotional. And they often, most of the time, the world totally ignores the spirit. The relationship with God. Right? And I will tell you this, as a pastor, as someone who has counseled people for years... Many of the problems that people have in their lives, emotional problems and even oftentimes physical problems, are actually connected with a spiritual problem in their life. That is a reality. 
And the world completely ignores that. Now, I don't blame them for that because what does the Bible say? The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. A person who doesn't have the Spirit of God is not going to know and even consider the Spirit. But here's what happens then. Sometimes we can overcorrect on the other side of things. And I know I've been guilty of this as a pastor. Some, someone comes to me with issues and problems in their life, and I want to only address the spiritual side of things because that's kind of my wheelhouse, you know. And I try to help them in that way. But I can't forget that man is not just spirit, and man is not just body, and man is not just soul. We are made in the image of God. God is a trinity, and we too are spirit and soul and body, and all of them matter to God. And he wants all of them. And so, what, what is it then? What are we to do with this? How can I make sure that I am healthy... In my spirit, soul, and body. Understand when I say healthy, I'm not talking about, you know, okay, let's look, of course, the physical side, right? You're disease-free, heart's in good condition, you've got strength and energy. I'm not just talking about that kind of health. But I'm talking about how can I make sure that my whole spirit, soul, and body are sanctified. To be sanctified literally means to be set apart, to be holy unto God. Well, we're in Romans. Let's go forward to chapter number 12, if you would. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> Romans 12 and verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What, what is he saying here? If you want your life to be pleasing to God, you know what it starts with? Surrender. I find it interesting here that he says... I beseech you, brethren, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Why is that interesting? Because as Christians, a lot of times we think, and, and I think somewhat, some, sometimes just unconsciously, we think that God only cares about our soul. And so often we'll hear preaching will be convicted about something, will come to an altar like this one, and we will surrender our spirit and our soul to God. And then we'll go through life, and we will live the day-to-day -day life in the flesh as though it doesn't pertain to the spirit. But the Bible says here, if you want to please God, if you want to be holy and acceptable unto Him, you have to present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, Lord, it is all of me that I am giving to you. I believe this is why the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all 
to the glory of God. Apparently, God does care about what we eat and what we drink. When was the last time, though, that you asked the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to eat? What would you have me to drink? Uh, how, how would you have me to care for this body that you've given to me? After all, our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in us, which we have of God. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in what? Your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If you are saved, it all belongs to him. And God wants all of us. And if we want to be pleasing to the Lord, we have to be willing to let him control not just the spiritual side, but all of us. Let's go back to our text. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. I pray God. Your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then I want you to recognize this next verse. Verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you. ...who also will do it. In other words... ...maybe you would say tonight to the Lord... ...I want all of my life to please you. I want to please you in my spirit... ...in my relationship to you... ...in my prayer life... ...in my Bible study... ...in my... Service within the church, in my witness, I want to please the Lord, but I don't want to just please you in my spirit. I also want to please you with my being, who I am, my thought life, my emotions, my relationships with other people. I want to please you in these things. And I even, Lord, because you have bought and paid for me with your own blood, I even yield my body. To say, Lord, I want to please you with this. This vessel that you've given to me. See, here's the thing. I understand this, this body, this is our corruptible flesh. And all flesh is as grass. And if the grass, the grass withers and the flower fades. And one day this body's going to die. And it's easy for us maybe to look at it and say, doesn't matter. But this is the vessel in which we can serve God. Do you realize your only opportunity to serve God before the judgment seat of Christ is right here in the body that he's given you? You better be surrendered to him and do with it as, he, as it pleases him. But if you, if you would say, Lord, I want to please you in my spirit, my soul, and my body. I want it to be sanctified. I want it to be set apart for you, for your glory. I want you to do it. How can I please you? The Bible says, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. You see, it's not your job to sanctify yourself. It's your job to surrender to him. And if we will surrender and submit ourselves to him, yield our members, not as instruments unto sin, but as instruments of righteousness unto God, what will happen? We will be wholly sanctified. You say, well, does that, does that mean that I will be in perfect physical health? No, it may be that God would choose 
because of whatever need you have in your life to bring some kind of a trial of affliction, physical problems. And some, some of you here sitting here are dealing with ongoing health needs and problems. That does not mean that you are not sanctified holy. And there are those out there who would teach that. That if you, if you are what God wants you to be, if you have the faith he wants you to have, you'll be perfectly healthy. And that, that's just not biblical, okay? But you can please God with the body he's given you. And it can be holy in that sense. Does that mean that you will never struggle with emotional difficulties? No. Some of the greatest men in the Bible struggled with depression and discouragement. Some of the greatest men in history, people that we look to, I don't know if you know this, and, and I'm not, I, don't, I don't usually name drop, and I'm not trying to lift up a man because there, there is no perfect man, but, but a man that is well-respected among preachers and, 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 and theologians, right? Charles Spurgeon. I know he had his issues, but he was, he was a godly man. You know that one of the things he battled continually was deep depression? There were times he would have to go on sabbatical from pastoring the church, and, 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 and there were times he was in deep despair, I mean, just despairing of life. You know, Paul even talked about that, didn't he? Despairing of his very life, just not even wanting to go on any further. We talked in Sunday school this morning, my discussion group, about Elijah and how Elijah was requesting that God would take him because he just couldn't do it anymore. He felt like he was the only one. It doesn't mean if you are sanctified unto the Lord, it doesn't mean that all of your emotional problems are going to go away. They'll still be a struggle. But you can honor God with your soul. In fact, you're told to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And if you are sanctified in your spirit, does that mean that you'll never struggle with sin anymore? You'll ne- well, no, not this side of heaven. But if we will yield ourselves unto God, if we will be willing to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, you know what will happen? Instead of being conformed to the world, we will be transformed. And so I I want to tonight just, the whole purpose of this message is simply to kind of get you thinking in this way. Lord, how can I be wholly sanctified unto you? How can I honor you in my body and in my spirit? Because both body and spirit and soul, they all belong to you.